Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello commuters with your computers. It's Tom Dark, not Stab here, aka the host of Monkey Tennis. Before we start this week's podcast, just a quick plug for the upcoming live show. In very exciting news, we are exceedingly pleased to tell you that due to phenomenal demand, the live show has had an upgrade. So on November 22nd, you will now find us in the large room at London's Prince Charles Cinema. To remind you, we'll be talking all things Know Me Knowing You All and, even more excitingly, chatting to Simon Greenall, otherwise known as Michael the Geordie. So if you're coming and you have any Michael-specific questions, do send them our way. If you aren't yet coming, don't delay, get your tickets today. They're available at postboppodcast.com slash live, but we recommend you do be quick, as we've already outsold last year's live show. Anyway, that's enough from me. On with the podcast. Cue the Black Beauty theme tune. Monkey tennis? Smelly Allen Fartridge. Linton Travel Tavern seemed an obvious choice. Monkey tennis? At the BBC, of all places. Be real. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? It will be called Alan's Show. I decided and would be absolutely ace. Monkey tennis? But needless to say, I had the last laugh. Hello again, pod fans, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. As you should know by now, we're trawling our way slowly but surely through iPartridge. We need to talk about Alan. By the end of today's show, a man will be dead, a marriage will be over, a cracker will have been pulled. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. 
A glass of beer and a piece of toast on Christmas morn. Nick Older. A bear-like homosexual. And Tom Stab. But Forbes McAllister is also a victim in a way because, of course, he died. <laughs> uh, so, chapter 13, lift-off show-wise. Good yes. morning, Pear Tree. <laughs> <laughs> We're obviously uh, using Alan's uh, mandatory playlist as well to suggest songs you might like to listen to as we tackle each chapter, uh, but there is not one for Liftoff show-wise. Oh. Oh, that's so a shame. Imagine your own incidental music. Yep, we'll, we'll leave that up to you. <laughs> um, yeah, so we kind of start in Pear Tree Productions with this, with this chapter, and uh, we get a mention of Jill. Ooh, Ooh lovely, lovely Jill. Lovely Jill. Uh, <laughs> I love Alan's description of her here clinging on to the last of her good looks and happy to buy chock treats for us all every Friday. <laughs> That's the important bit there. Uh, Alan goes on to uh, describe his management style, saying it was that of an estranged father, at times caring, at times distant, <laughs> and with little to no interest in the individuals <laughs> under my charge. And believe me, it just works. <laughs> so obviously at this point, point in alan's book and the career knowing me knowing you is on our television screens um but as it turns out viewing figures are collapsing to use alan words hang on though it doesn't stop him saying the show began and was an unmitigated success (laughs) (laughs) viewing figures collapsed as this series went on Uh, we discussed this bit when we were talking knowing me knowing you didn't we yeah um so he says the viewing figures were collapsing because it was getting lighter in the evenings and more people were out rambling or sitting in beer gardens As we have discussed, and as we know, this series is on air in September and October, so that is absolute bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) He does recognise, though, that there were one or two hiccups, but that is the nature of live television. (laughs) And that some of the guests were a little surly. He says, I honestly don't think people noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I think they did. He says it came down to the book, and at the end of the series, Jason was duly dismissed. (laughs) Worth noting that the other book, Elisa, had already been fired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And also, like, that, well, that book was probably supposed to still be at school. Anyway, yeah, um, and was high on weed, <laughs> <laughs> and he implies that Jason went on to be responsible for Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice little dig at reality TV, there, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just love the 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 one or two hiccups, and it's like, well, basically, all of the guests were either surly, aggressive, generally awfully behaved, <laughs> racist. Take your pick. Everything was an absolute disaster. <laughs> uh, worth noting as well that Alan thought Tony Hez was only going to be a temporary fixture because he was there to cover Georgia Harris's mm. maternity leave. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the first time we know that he's discovering for someone, isn't it? Beforehand, yeah. we've always assumed that he is... You I know, think it's a device that allows Alan to... The way that Alan treats Tony and changes his mind and has to sort of bottom him up and, yeah, and that not would make care about right. him. Yeah, it makes, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of Tony Hares, towards the end of this chapter, um, Alan talks about the feedback that he was getting from the Chief Commissioner, which uh, as as follows. Tony Hares gave us a few notes after the first show and repeated the same ones after the second, third, and fourth, <laughs> but crucially didn't after the fifth or sixth, which suggests he was deeply satisfied with the trajectory of the series. <laughs> Again, this is the unreliable narrator coming into play, and it's a fantastically comic payoff. But I did wonder, what would those notes from Tony Hares actually be, apart from, this is awful? <laughs> Stop it. Um, well, I think... Um, I think perhaps they, somebody, maybe not Alan, did take some notes on board, and that's why the fifth episode was live from Paris with uh, a yeah. co-presenter. Yeah. It was sort of an attempt to, to, to keep the magazine format, but maybe sideline Alan a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's a good point. That's um, a good point. I was also thinking about this, that obviously by this point, the show's a disaster. Surely Tony Hares is as much to blame as Alan because Tony commissioned it. So he must have Absolutely. been trying to save I his own back. I guess on paper you see, uh, you know, a, a rising star with his own chat show, you know, speaking to popular guests. On paper, it wasn't mm. that bad a show. What see, you didn't where realize. does the responsibility lie? 
Well, I think you just don't commission a we second series. We do not know. Don't commission a second series. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and also, you've got, you've got to imagine that in the Allen universe, Tony has been kicking himself that they've agreed to six episodes and a Christmas special because yep, yep. you know that he didn't want that Christmas special to happen. <laughs> a monstrous disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I had for chapter 13 lift off yep. show wise. Uh, it's so quite can... short to be fair. It's, yeah, quite, yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of the shorter yeah. ones. Yeah. Uh, so we can move on to chapter 14, a pivotal chapter <laughs> in <laughs> I Partridge, the death of Forbes McAllister. Which Alan would like you to uh, coincide with listening to Brothers, Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. <laughs> <laughs> Tugging on those heartstrings. A fitting so the chapter opens with cantankerous bon viveur Forbes McAllister had brought with him two of Lord Byron's dueling pistols, purchased an auction from under the considerable nose of Michael Winner. <laughs> <laughs> As I politely expected the mid-interview, I discharged one and the bullet penetrated and destroyed Forbes's heart. <laughs> As so many gunshot wounds to the heart, it proved fatal. Now, it's quite funny they mentioned Michael Winner because presumably Forbes McAllister is based directly on Michael mm. Winner. This is a little nod to let you know that's intentional. Yeah, I think they. I think we talked about this, that it's a bit of a hybrid of yeah. Peter Ustinov and Michael Winner. That's right. Yeah. Not much further on in the chapter, Alan says, I wouldn't have been the first <laughs> British chat show host to kill a man on air and I won't be the last. He will be the last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about this is that Alan kind of tries to uh, relieve some of the blame from his shoulders by yeah. saying that almost basically, all of it. Well, yeah, by basically saying the, the that whole chapter he spends he spends the whole chapter putting in hints of Forbes's poor health to yeah, basically so try the, and absolve his guilt. So the line I was going to read was that uh, Forbes McAllister had led a long and full <laughs> life, but with a diet rich in cholesterol and alcoholic booze, it's very probable yeah. that his health was failing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also comments that Forbes had incredibly sweaty hands, <laughs> and I think goes on to... Describe it as, as palm piss. Palm piss. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he then blames that sweat for uh, potentially creating a lethal lu- yes. lubricative yes. effect, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. when combined with studio lights and a hair trigger <laughs> pistol would blast a man's chest into kingdom come. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but those are Alan's findings, not the findings of the yes. coroner or the crown. <laughs> yeah. He kind of talks uh, more broadly about the show and um, suggests that it had been a strong one, uh, although acknowledges it had been a little bit fruity and of the six people on the sofa, 50% were gay, two lesbians and a gayman. <laughs> <laughs> and should we talk about who the other guests in this episode were, Nick? Because I, we I think it's one of your favourites coming up. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the undeniable talent of Joe Beasley <laughs> and Cheeky Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like um, the way you gave it like a little intro. <laughs> Cheeky Monkey! <laughs> He's here tonight. So, yeah, Alan teases up with not on the sofa but undeniably on the show with Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey having Joe appear on the show was my one big regret in this episode (laughs) so he regrets that booking of a poor puppeteer more than killing a man yep Oh, it should have been so good. Joe was streets ahead of his time, (laughs) writing his own material and bringing a fresh perspective to the art of stand-up comedy. But uh, we all know the reality of something very, very different. It was absolute car crash TV and one of our favourite parts of that whole series. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Interesting that Alan discovered uh, Joe Beasley in Hose Seasons in 1979 and then later he says, I promised I'd remember his name and give him a TV break as soon as I could. I honoured that promise in 1994. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, at Hose Seasons, it says that he raised the roof and that members of the audience were literally doubled over, desperately trying not to wet themselves. That's how good Joe Beasley can be. <laughs> so to be fair to Alan, he was expecting high things. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, Joe and Cheeky just couldn't deliver. Joe Beasley says that that might actually be more to do with the fact of the age of the people watching the show rather than <laughs> how funny it is. <laughs> it's incontinence, yeah. Al- uh, yeah. Alan does say that he happens to believe Joe Beasley's joke about a Swedish Fred Flintstone is quite a beautiful piece of writing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but he struggled to remember its precise mechanics and it slithered out of his mouth like a bad oyster. <laughs> Can we take a step back? Am I the only person who doesn't know what Ho Seasons is? Yes. yes. Well, I know what it is. <laughs> I assumed it was some it's kind of Butlins type thing. Is it like a Butlins yeah, type like thing? A, like okay. a Haven Butlins does caravan it, based. Does it still exist? I think it I think it might. Oh, I okay. don't know. In certain regions. Literally never heard of it. Um, I love that Joe basically tries to trade on this by uh, trying to claim legal ownership of the phrase <laughs> troubled TV funny man. <laughs> when the whole Barrymore thing blew up. Yeah, yeah. So after the uh, time spent discussing Joe Beasley and his questionable uh, comic talent, uh, we then move into Alan killing Forbes live on TV. Um <laughs> Like he says, the two lesbians, Wanda Harvey and Bridie McMahon, went a bit hysterical. <laughs> They've been told to stick around on the sofa until the credits rolled, but when Forbes's remains slumped in their di- <laughs> general direction, they bolted. And he says, a, pre- a pretty craven attempt to spoil the series sign-off. <laughs> For that, I've never forgiven them. <laughs> He's really not grasping the severity yeah. of the situation here, is he? Yeah. We asked the question, uh, who was the guy who appears uh, after... after yeah. uh, Alan shoots Forbes. We have an answer. It's Alan's producer, Rupert Summers. Yep. And I love this bit. He says he lost his head and said a few mean things to me. I let that go. He was in shock and needed help. And I've listed these. He calls Alan a tosser, a tit, and a wanker. (laughs) (laughs) Also, something I've just remembered, which we never did at the time. Uh, I've got a slow-mo video of the shooting incident. And you can see the gun is very much not pointing in the right direction to actually mm. hit Forbes. Uh, so we will finally post that on the socials this yes. week because we forgot to do it last time. We well, forgot. Hello. <laughs> um, other things that Alan t- has concern over, uh, other than Forbes being shot, uh, the fact that he bleeds on the sofas that they'd only just hired. Um, <laughs> uh, Forbes. And he says, those flipping guns, I hated them just then. <laughs> just only then. then. Only then. Only then. Uh, he blames Forbes for bringing it in when they're only supposed to be displayed ornamentally. Yep. And he <laughs> he uses this shooting uh, to make the claim that he invented reality TV. <laughs> it was I, Partridge. <laughs> this was reality TV before the term was invented. Real and raw and red in tooth and claw. Peter Basilgate of Endemol fame is sometimes wrongly credited with the invention of reality TV. In fact, it was Alan Partridge. Um, and then he goes on to detail being imprisoned, <laughs> which is. A, and well, again, we kind of referenced this in yeah, uh, in, in in the episode of Know Me Knowing You because we weren't 100 percent sure how he actually kind of how did he get away got with away it, with it. Yeah. This and is effectively the beginning of Alan's slide to his lowest ebb, isn't it? It starts at this point and it ends in Dundee. <laughs> yeah, like, I, th- I, th- I think you're bang on the money there. Yeah. I don't think it ever ends, does it? <laughs> no, that's, tr- that's true. <laughs> he has he has something of a recovery post Dundee, but I think this is where you know there's this. Obviously, not to spoil anything coming up, but the next chapter is called Splitting from Carol. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, things are not. We we are on the slide now. We're on the descent. Yeah. Um, I was just going to jump forward slightly that in a later chapter um, to give a conclusion to the shooting incident. Uh, Alan says that he was deemed guilty of unlicensed use of a firearm, and that was the only crime he was guilty of. Mm-hmm. So not murder or manslaughter or anything. He's got so, good lawyers. So that's how that's how he got away with it. So yeah, Alan Alan is incarcerated for an entire uh, for two days, the twenty first to the twenty second of October, nineteen ninety four, uh, at Paddington Green Police Station. And in the photo section of the book, he refers to Paddington Green Police Station as the UK's highest security police station. Do we think that's true? <laughs> no, no, no that's that is true. No, no, that's true. Is it? Yeah. What? That's where. You know that? That's where all the terrorists go. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's okay. true. Wow. Wow. Absolute fact bomb. I mean, we're not going to check it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Well, I don't know if it is. The <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's the highest. It, it is. Definitely we look forward to the next feedback episode. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, it's definitely high. Okay. 
Uh, okay, so for added drama, Alan slips into the present tense to talk us through his incarceration. Um, and you get some great exchanges with a police officer. Um, I've told you what I know. Can I please just go home? I'm doing a store opening at 10 for World of Leather. Um, the only thing you'll be in tomorrow is a world of trouble, says the <laughs> copper. A line that even at the time I thought was pretty good for someone who probably didn't get any A-levels. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking as a man who barely got two. <laughs> he yeah. got two. Yeah. Um, and he just always assumes that he's above everyone else. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he didn't have a store opening. He was just saying it to get yeah, out. This is followed with, he says... With negotiations for a second series of KMKY going well, I have two other meetings the next morning that could shape my career. So I was like, is that a lie that he and he doesn't really have those meetings? Or does he generally have no sense of how screwed his career is at this <laughs> point? It's quite hard to tell whether it's... Yeah. Uh, even it, if the meetings were genuine, the meeting's going to be cancelled. Yeah, like, exactly. Even if they're genuine, it's over. But yeah, that hasn't even know. entered his thought. That, has <laughs> yeah, it? exactly, exactly. Uh, and then Alan gets some prison food, which I think is worth uh, it, going through. It gives a good review. Of yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> through the hatch comes a tray of food. I pour at it listlessly <laughs> until I notice that it contains chicken nuggets. <laughs> and what chicken nuggets? <laughs> These boast all the smoky zing of McCain's southern coating with the tenderest cuts of white meat. Doesn't that mean they're just McCain's southern chicken nuggets? <laughs> That's yeah. absolutely what that means. Yep. The beans are lukewarm but not overcooked and a generous dollop of smash adds a buttery <laughs> finish It sets the plate off beautifully to drink a mug of steaming tea. A really, really good meal. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but when I read that back, I was just like... Quite fancy, yeah, that actually. That's not, quite, that's not quite good. Oven cuisine. Yeah, actually quite that, good. That, that, <laughs> tonight's dinner sorted. Yep. yep. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, Alan is uh, finally released after those, uh, well, basically those two days and one night of incarceration for questioning. Uh, and, yeah, he's hauled into the BBC for crisis talks <laughs> without a care for his other meetings, <laughs> which I think we've established are probably fictional. Yep. Um, he says, Hairs is quiet and it's really hard to work out how he feels the series is gone. <laughs> he's I not think giving we, anything away. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think we know what he thinks. He continues, a health and safety officer has a lot to say, which feels like bolting the stable door after the horse has legged it <laughs> and in a hail of gunfire. <laughs> I love, I love his mangling of like well-known phrases. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He uses bolted too early in the sentence and then he can't use it at the yeah. end. It's or, great. And then he refers to the Gwyneth Paltrow film as the sliding doors. <laughs> like, yeah. No one's fact-checked any of this. <laughs> Harper Collins. Harper Collins. <laughs> uh, I love that he says, as the exec producer, it turns out I have ultimate responsibility, which seems unfair to me, and I say so. Uh, <laughs> I love this next bit. I tried to arrange a meeting with Hairs to discuss not just a second series, but other potential projects. And this is the killer. Everyone pipes up with, for, for fuck's sake, sake, Alan. Alan. <laughs> As if my career should die just because Forbes's has. So, yeah, basically, at this point, the BBC are disowning Alan. So calls to the BBC are met with an officious. Alan Partridge is not and has never been an employee at the BBC. He's a private contractor. And as such, all contracts are under constant review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's a classic payoff to the, the uh, chapter here. You know, there were two victims that day. Me, because of everything I went through. But Forbes McAllister is also a victim in a way. Because, of course, he died. <laughs> in a no way. description of what Alan went through. It's just, you know, what I went through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting a lovely uh, meal of uh, chicken nuggets. Absolutely, basically. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think Alan feels that his TV career, his burgeoning TV career being under question is more of an issue than someone being dead. He sees himself as a victim in this. In oh, this absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. Of and it's about to get worse as we move to Chapter 15, Splitting from Carol. Sorry, Adam, what's splitting? on the well, <laughs> Adam, what's on the soundtrack? There's only one song that Alan feels is appropriate for this level of heartbreak. It's Alone by Heart. <laughs> yeah, so this chapter opens with Alan saying that he knew that basically him and Carol were on the rocks back in 1989, 
But then he goes on to say they lasted another six years. Yep. <laughs> so I did think at this point, do we actually feel a little bit sorry for Alan? I no, mean, yeah, no, I mean no. yes, he's a bit of an idiot, but he's been in basically a failing relationship for a good six years. I mean, I initially... It, from reading I mean, it from it's a comedy goldmine, don't yeah. get me wrong. Reading it from Alan's perspective, I feel quite sorry for Alan. But then when I really think about it, the person I feel sorry for is Carol. Because <laughs> 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 she's had years of this shit. She didn't <laughs> have to marry him. No, that's true. Uh, but the, I mean, the overriding theme of this chapter is very much that the writing's on the wall and Alan is refusing to see it, isn't he? Yeah, so we, we then get a lot of excerpts of Alan's diary during this time because he he's, he's suspicious of Carol, mm. but he's trying to work out what's going on. And the the diary entries are hilarious because he's basically told nearly every other day exactly what's going on, but doesn't form the conclusion. Yeah. Um, is it because he doesn't want to, or is it because he's stupid? I th- I think it's a bit of both. Isn't it? I, th- I would think a bit of both, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> suddenly, things that had seemed innocent—the snazzy new hairdo, the packet of condoms in her glove box, reported <laughs> sightings of her in nightclubs with a man—started <laughs> to collect in my craw. <laughs> so even that's not enough yet. That well, at this point, Alan just wants to. Form form some investigations, and also like um, there's a there's an, an entry in Carol's uh, sorry an entry in the diary where he says that Carol is forty percent less randy. He can't just say like you know her feelings seem specific. to have waned. It's it's very specific. It's very measured, um, and yeah, he can't just uh, he can't he can't articulate it in a kind of a, a, a normal way. Another so thing, do you also think that maybe he secretly kind of likes the role of detective a little bit? Probably and he's actually quite enjoying, he's enjoying it. <laughs> Well, it gives him something to do because his career's on the rocks, <laughs> I guess. But uh, yeah, I think it's the fifth or sixth diary entry in. He literally writes, 6th of September, 1995. Carol's brother turns up and tells me she's seeing another man. I reluctantly discredit his testimony on the grounds that he's a former alcoholic and current weed junkie. <laughs> uh, very important postscript to that as well. Um, he says, he tells me she's seeing another man. And then the, the, uh, the footnote says, he says banging, actually, but I mean, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> from from the point that the diary starts to the point that he, he realises and gives up, it's four months. Well. <laughs> and the writing is very much on the wall from about week two. Yeah, and just the final entry reads, decided to stop keeping a diary now. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and that's where I felt a little bit sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and that is, that's Christmas. And know, also he is an idiot. Yeah. So yeah. about halfway through this uh, infidelity diary, um, he starts wondering, is it a Noel Edmonds gotcha prank? He says, actually, <laughs> what if this is a gotcha? Edmonds could be one sick bastard. And I do have the profile to be the subject of a BBC One Saturday night prank. Does he? Mm, no. I, I think he does. Really? Yeah, if you think about it, he's just come off a, uh, a primetime BBC Two Yeah, but there's no way that the BBC want him back on their screens. That's true. Apart yeah. from the contractually <laughs> agreed true. Christmas but I, special. I do think he has the requisite level of fame to feature as a Noel Edmonds gotcha. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and another couple of uh, quick highlights here. 1st of December 1995, heard Carol on the phone saying, that was great sex last night. <laughs> oh, this is so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the, his explanation, his, yeah, his yeah, justification how he of that. that. Uh, he basically, uh, he thinks maybe she says sects in reference to <laughs> a, a pseudo-religious team version of step aerobics. Maybe it was someone's name, Jim Great Sex. <laughs> Perhaps she was trying to say great six in a Scottish accent. Come sunrise, I'd convince myself of all these things. <laughs> And on the fifteenth uh, of December, nineteen ninety-five, he oh, gets yes. drunk and tries it on with Sue Cook. Yeah, which is never referenced before or after, is it <laughs> at all? She was so understanding. Yeah, <laughs> old, yeah. Although, although she is witheringly emphatic in her rebuttal, yes. she's not having it, Alan. No, good old Sue. Less than a week later, he's out with his other showbiz pal, Bill Oddy, using basically bird-watching techniques to spy on Carol. <laughs> <laughs> quite a good, quite a good use of uh, yeah. Bill Oddy's talents, actually. Yeah, 
very useful man. I love the face-off they have in the kitchen uh, where Alan sat at the kitchen table with a bottle of wine, but he hadn't drunk from it or opened it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also kind of, uh, I'm not going to read this out, but he talks about French kissing and feels the need to explain what French kissing oh, is. Oh, it's a bit too much really, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, there is no need for that, Alan. Come it's, on. it's so scientific yeah. the way he's describing. Yeah. Just a, a couple of choice words. <laughs> Closed arena, intermittent insertions, exploratory reckeys, prods, darts, scoops and jabs. <laughs> yeah. Just some of the terms involved in Alan's definition. Yeah, exactly the bits we just avoided reading out. So when I said I won't read it out, we, you've, you've read, read it out. out. <laughs> and when Alan and Carol have the uh, kind of face-off at the crescendo of this chapter, he writes, I didn't know on whose behalf I was crying because I was making a right mess. I had a cold at the same time, so it was like a mucal tsunami. <laughs> Which is, again, it's a really lovely image, yeah, isn't yeah. it? So towards the end of this bust-up, I think Alan knows it's on the rocks, it's falling apart, and so he begins frantically pitching shows at her desperately outlining my portfolio program ideas in the hope of convincing her we could be happy and rich. <laughs> Although I think we know that's not going to happen. He really does. Uh, he, uh, he links one with the other. Yeah, it's interesting though because it basically it, it basically means that in, in Alan's eyes she's not with him because he's a kind or interesting person. Mm. She's with him because he's got the potential to make money doing bad telly programming. And <laughs> do you reckon they're exactly the same TV programs that he pitched yeah. to Tony Hare? Yes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Why would Carol care? <laughs> Monkey tennis? <laughs> yeah, so being honest, by this point, it's all fallen apart. It's gone tits up. It's basically over between Alan and Carol. The The next large section of the chapter is essentially a faked letter from Carol. When I say faked, let's uh, use Alan's description. Uh, so what follows, Alan says, these are Carol's actual words in the sense that I ghost jotted them and faxed them to her I don't know how many times for her to sign off. She had ample opportunity to make amendments that, but declined to do so. Ergo, She's happy with it. So <laughs> it's quite a long uh, letter. So maybe we just pull out a few particular highlights because it's very clearly written by Alan, not mm. by Carol. Uh, one of the key bits that make it clear that it's Alan, he says, I then split with Alan, who hadn't been having an affair. Not because he couldn't, he could. He was a well-regarded <laughs> TV personality. You think he was short of offers? Dream on. But he exercised self-restraint. What can I say? That's Al. I don't think, I think that might be the first ever instance of anyone referring to him as Al as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would kind of just uh, add uh, that he is damn sight more of a talent than the likes of Tony Robinson or Andy Marr. Again, <laughs> like, there's no way Carol's going to be writing that. These, these are these are the people that Alan holds in high regard. And also, would Carol more call talented. Andrew Marr Andy Marr? I think that's <laughs> quite unlikely. Yeah, yeah. And a, partic a particular a line that I liked in this. Uh, after every unreturned phone call to the BBC, he'd dig an angry hole in the garden. So I really enjoy that in this fake letter, he's unwittingly exposed some quite bizarre activity that the reader wouldn't know about otherwise. He's losing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like in Sizzled Isle when he's having a uh, fake argument with the man who uh, he gave a fishing rod to. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely yeah. some uh, psychoanalysis to be had here, isn't there? Uh, he's not in a good place. A fun bit at the end when he demands sole custody of the children. Fernando wasn't keen as he's living in Cambridge <laughs> midway through the final year of a politics degree. So he's at least 2021. Yeah. <laughs> and Denise is living in Ipswich with an art collective, which I think shines a little bit of a light on why he sees Denise <laughs> in, uh, in a, yeah, a lesser light than Fernando. And yeah, she's got a pierced navel, remember? Point, <laughs> uh, yeah, his, uh, lo his lawyers advise him not to pursue it. <laughs> As he says, the law always takes the side <laughs> of the woman. <laughs> cool, so that's, uh, that's all the notes I've got on that chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we're ready to move on, it's time for chapter 16. You'll be sorry. To which the accompanying track in Alan's playlist is Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louie. And that does feature prominently in this chapter. So in this chapter, we join Alan home alone on Christmas Day because him like and Carol are no longer. Like bloody Colkin. Yep. Um, <laughs> so 
Uh, yeah, it's only a few days since him and Carol have split coming into Christmas. Alan says the prospect of spending Christmas in unbroken solitude didn't fill him with cheer, but actually it turned out to be all right. Brilliant even. I've subsequently done the same, out of choice, on four other occasions. Uh, so there are some specific reasons why Alan enjoys being free to do what he wants on Christmas Day. That year, he has a glass of beer at 10 a.m., a glass of beer and a piece of toast. And <laughs> He says he didn't finish it. It was horrible. But I chortled as I thought of what the ball and chain would have said. Stupid cow. <laughs> uh, I would also say uh, there's no rule about uh, boozing on Christmas morning. It's get involved, surely. Oh, yeah. I, I would say anything before 11 a.m. is madness. Mm. Post 11, no, I think it's I'd a free for all. Champagne for breakfast, I would say champagne. Oh, no, that's what I mean. I'm having it at about 11. I'm I'd normally like have a, a later breakfast. Yeah, champagne yeah, exactly. or Bucks Fizz before 11. Yeah. After 11, yeah. anything goes. Crack the spirits <laughs> out by yeah. lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. Alan goes on to write about the almost overwhelming sense of liberation that comes with wearing a dressing gown, brackets, <laughs> nude beneath, Always nude. Without, having to anxious, <laughs> without having to anxiously re-knot the string every few minutes. <laughs> the gown flops open and reveals your ghoulies. Big deal. No one's there. It just feels good. Does everyone else do the same? I don't uh, it, know. No. No. <laughs> no, although I do agree with him about dressing gowns constantly needing re-knotting. Yeah. Those knots yeah, fall yeah. apart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Moment, that, is, that is an issue. I but, don't um, really wear a dressing gown. I You're not a dressing be, gown, man. No. No? I, I like the idea of them, but I just don't wear them. Oh, okay. You're, so what you're saying is you hate dressing gowns? Uh, just saying I wear pyjamas. Okay. No, what you're saying is can we all chip in and buy him a dressing Ooh, gown? Yes, please. <laughs> no, we can't. John Lewis. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so what we're learning about Alan here is his first Christmas Day alone post-Carol. Um, he's basically getting boozed up at 10am, <laughs> prancing around naked underneath a bar of dressing gown. Uh, so he writes, after a few more glasses of beer, he put on a CD of Christmas songs and marched up and down on his landing to Stop the Cavalry by Joni Louis. Is that the one that's like... Yep. That's the one. Very good rendition. <laughs> and then, of course, after a few minutes of brisk promenading, his gown spread apart like the curtain of an old proscenium arch theatre to reveal a one-man show by John Thomas. <laughs> you would not buy a ticket. <laughs> he says, I let it. And then there were other reasons why Christmas Alone was enjoyable too, but I can't remember them at this moment. <laughs> Question, were there actually any other good moments on no, that day? Uh, no. I think he probably boozed himself into a stupor and just cried for the rest of the day. Yep. No, he didn't. He had a TV show to make. That's very true. He had Knowing Me Knowing You All to work on. Um, as he times it, been he'd been given a chance of redemption. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. no, he because was contractually in the following line, it had been agreed as part of the initial series commission. Although, as we know, the BBC are kind of slack with their contract arrangements after what happened with uh, Chris Feather. He, they managed to get out of that contract, so I don't see how they couldn't have got out of this one. There must have been a buyout clause, surely. It's not referenced. I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not referenced. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, it does say um, because the inquiry was still in going, he's yet to be deemed culpable of anything. Right. So perhaps if they had, uh, yeah. then it wouldn't have yeah, happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Carol left him on Christmas Eve 1995. Uh, knowing me, knowing you, will be broadcast five days later. Uh, Alan says it was conceived as a kind of televised mold wine and mince pies party that would take place in an exact studio mock-up of his house. And you could imagine that as a concept working all right. Yeah, had, had it not yeah, yeah. been for Alan, like the uh, the set looked decent, you know, it it was laid out as if people were enjoying themselves. Although they were doing that sort of Jules Holland shuffling thing of forced enjoyment, yeah, not mm. really being enjoying themselves, not being allowed to actually move around. But and yeah. and we know that it's a faithful replica, uh, as we talked about a few weeks back. Now that you've got the fan of samurai swords yep. on the yeah, mantelpiece yeah, yeah. above the fireplace, yep. etc. So has anyone seen any real life uh, TV Christmas specials that reminded them of this show at all? 
particularly with their kind of full house mock-up. Well, yeah, they feel like something from yesteryear. You don't really get them anymore. They're not as relevant anymore. I mean, the house mock-up is is nothing more than a rehashing of Noel's house party, is it really? But in in terms of actual TV specials as well, I think you literally, you can run the gamut from uh, like a Bing Crosby Christmas special to a Michael Bublé Christmas special, that kind of... Having the full house mock up, people ringing the doorbell, and all yeah, that. yeah, all that sort of thing. I think it's done quite a lot. So. The Queen's Speech, or do you reckon that's actually Buckingham Palace? Uh, <laughs> Studio mock up, mock up of a. Does that count as a Christmas special? Well, it's it does it once a year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, obviously the show is another absolute disaster. Yep. It was never going to be anything but. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan says they had some last minute gremlins. <laughs> including things as having an 11th hour panic sourcing of wheelchair ramps <laughs> for, for brackets check a plegic former golfer Gordon Aaron check a plegic yeah. I'd spotted that first time that's very good that, that kind of ties in when we were talking about the, the lax attitude to quality control with anything that comes out of pear, pear tree productions the fact the book has all these notes in to yeah. check things that yeah, it's yeah. Just gone to, yeah. and it's gone to print with those still Alan in there. and pear tree just rushing it out um, there will obviously be a blow by blow account of knowing me knowing you at our live show as well uh, we're going to be talking about that on stage at the Prince Charles Cinema in London on November the 22nd you can get tickets at postpotpodcast.com slash monkey yeah, it's very, very unlike Adam to mention that I, I, I didn't I didn't have that information We've at least for, for, once I, for once I've wait, waited for it to be context specific <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fine to mention it it's but there's, okay. yeah so I guess we'll go into it in more detail yeah. then so in terms of like the specifics there's only a couple of things to yeah there's a, a little mention uh, from Alan about a sexy trio of models called the Christmas Crackers and Mick Hucknall and Alan says Hucknall agreed to perform because he was trying to bang one of them <laughs> now the real reason behind Hucknall appearing in the show he was genuinely a fan of Partridge and wanted to yeah. uh, get involved mm. he probably did still want to bang one of them <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a given I yeah. thought that wasn't worth referencing um, so yeah just to go back to the disastrous nature of the show uh, to you, another bit of beautiful phrasing from Alan. And yes, there were a few glitches, but most of them occurred in the final four minutes of the show. Uh, he continues, one thing led to another. I ended up punching a golfing cripple in the face after he'd made an off-colour joke at my expense. And then responding to Tony Hare's have-a-go intervention by belting him a couple of times too. But the rest <laughs> of the show was nothing like that. Uh, but I think we can agree there were several disasters throughout there's the show. A lot from start to finish. Yeah, there's, a, there's lot a lot more to go more into. A, a little tidbit about the aftermath of his split from Carol. He does also mention that between uh, Christmas Eve and the show, uh, he'd had four hours sleep in total. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan kind of tries to justify in the book his uh, violent behaviour towards a few people on the show. Uh, he says, I was like a wounded animal. If you stepped to me, you'd better brace your ass for genuine <laughs> smackdown. They stepped, I smacked down. I couldn't face going home. So after unwinding with a few halves of bitter, I spent the night with Glen Ponder. The next day, I felt much happier. Now, we should return to him spending the night with Glen Ponder mm-hmm. via a footnote later on in a yep. different yep. episode. Yes, good, good note. Alan also goes on to mention that Tony Hares was angry that he was invited on the show to be ambushed into recommissioning uh, Know Me Knowing You. Uh, Alan says, nothing could be further from my mind. He was also angry that I punched him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) He was probably equally angry about Uh, both, I would think. Uh, And (laughs) the last note I had about this, just with a footnote, lies. Alan says, it wasn't a big deal, to be honest, because I'd already started thinking about that I didn't want to be on BBC TV anymore, so it was fine. (laughs) The opposite is very much true. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, okay, well that brings us to the end of You'll Be Sorry and to Tom Dark's section of I Partridge. Thank you very much for your factoids. Um, but there's a quiz to come, right? Uh, there is a quiz to come and a large question to the group. What would you like to do first, gentlemen? Uh, quiz? Quiz it is. Quiz then question. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, who is ready for a quiz? Always. Deeply. Well, (laughs) Well, that's good news because we're going to do one. So... This week's quiz, uh, soundtracked by the theme to Supermarket Sweep, yes, <laughs> because why not, uh, is Partridge versus Edmunds. So, obviously, Alan uh, was suspicious he might be the victim of the Noel Edmonds gotcha uh, in Splitting Up With Carol, so we thought, it's time to do an Edmunds-based quiz. As Play a, along at home as well. As, yeah, as, as a child fun. contestant on a Noel Edmonds game <laughs> show, I'm hopeful that I will, I will nail this. Can we uh, post that appearance on our socials? Absolutely not. Okay, we'll get it on the socials. Yeah. <laughs> Right, okay, so all you have to do, uh, listen to these quotes, and I want a group consensus answer whether this is Alan Partridge or Noel Edmonds that said it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correct answer gets one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Should you try that again? Try that again. Correct answer gets one of these. There we go. Hey, okay. Question one. Graveyards are so depressing, they remind me of death. That's Alan. That's Alan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one point correct. Question two. All of this wine nonsense. You got all these wine people, don't you? Wine this, wine that. Ooh, that's a snazzy bouquet. I don't really need to go on, do we? I no, think it's Alan. Alan. It's Alan. Three. I could have gone over to him and quite legitimately thumped him, actually, because I'm quite a good thump. I think that's, that's Edmunds. Edmunds. But yeah, it's mainly because it's not Partridge. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't recognise it. You're Partridge. going Edmunds? Yeah, Edmunds. It's Edmunds. Yeah. Boom. He was talking about A.A. Gill. information. Question four. Let me tell you something about the Titanic. People forget that on the Titanic's maiden voyage, there were over 1,000 miles of uneventful, very pleasurable cruising before it hit the iceberg. Alan. AP. It's AP. This isn't very difficult so far, is it? Question five. The biggest problem we have is not Ebola. It's not AIDS. It's electro smog. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be Edmunds. Yeah, 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 I'm going with Edmunds. It's Edmunds. 
six. I got her a five-ton rock. What? That? What? Edmunds. I got her a five-ton oh, rock. Edmunds. I think that's Edmonds. Yeah. Can I just say I'm thinking about releasing a spoken word record called Electro Smog? <laughs> <laughs> would not buy. <laughs> Question seven. Edmonds would. <laughs> <laughs> Question seven. He is a total wazzock, and I cannot stand him. Ooh. Oh, this it, I, it, this is one of them talking about the other, isn't it? I think it's Alan on Edmonds. Ooh. When is it? I don't know when Alan. I says don't recognise the quote. I, push you for I the think it's answer. a quote from Nomad, and I think it's Alan on Edmonds. Okay. Okay. We'll go with him. If you're confident, we'll, we'll let's go do with it. Adam. I'm semi-confident. You are bang right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. It, it's him on Edmonds in Nomad. Nice. Uh, number eight. I don't like big feet. It reminds me of Gammon. AP. It's AP. Number nine, people tell me I don't look 66. Edmonds. 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 You've got Edmonds. You are correct. Yes. This is the last he one. Was, he was 30 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10, we're having a hoedown. I'm down, but I'm not a hoe. AP. <laughs> That's AP. Ah. It's AP. Number 11, these idiot politicians who talk about climate change, for goodness sake, do they really think Little Us can do anything about it? No, of course not. I Ooh. assume Edmonds, I think Edmonds. Unless yeah. it's from Nomad, this is the not. trickiest. Yeah, I don't recognise an AP quote. I, I do not know the answer. So I do, what not, you know. do not know. Ooh. Should we go Edmonds? Let's go Edmonds. Okay. okay. Yep. Consens- consent. <sighs> it's Edmonds. It's Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> She's had a beer. 12. You don't live life, life lives you. There isn't such a thing as death, it's just departure. You cannot die. It's been known for a very long time. That sounds like Edmund's mystic bollocks to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Let's go, Edmunds. We're going, Edmunds. You are correct. Is this the last one? 13. There's two more left. Two more. 13. I looked up and it got better and better. I got to her face and I immediately thought, oh, yes, I like you. Hmm. I mean, it's Alan-esque, but I don't recognise it. No, again, I don't don't recognise it. I think it could be Edmunds. I'd go Edmunds. We're going, Edmunds? Edmunds. You're correct. Come on, this one for a full house. Yep, number 14. Come on. Guide dogs for the blind. It's cruel, really, isn't it? Getting a dog to lead a man round all day. Not fair on either of them. Alan, Alan Gordon. Alan. Full house. That's a full house. 14 out of 14. Good work, guys. Good work. Getting better. Wasn't that difficult, I don't think. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, more fun coming up now with a new regular feature. It's time for large question of the week. So over the last couple of weeks, we have discussed uh, luminary British sporting and broadcasting legends. Sally Gunnell. Chris Akabusi. Des Lynham and Dale Winton. Nearly forgot about Dale. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dale. <laughs> <laughs> so my large question to you is, it's the bank holiday weekend. What are you doing? And which one of those four is with you? Adam, go. It's Akabusi whispering a wooger in my ear and patting me on the fanny. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, that is horrible. Oh, Stab, we need to move on quick. What you got? Uh, I, I thought about this and I went actually quite practical. I try and use Dale Winton's supermarket connections <laughs> and I'd, take, I'd get him to take me round, round Waitrose and I'd get some kind of yes. like trolley dash going on and I'd fill up as much as I possibly could from Waitrose. You are aware Supermarket Sweep wasn't in a real supermarket. Look, he's got the connections, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Dale, I need you to help me fine, out here. Fine. Take me around Waitrose. I want as much free shit as I can get. <laughs> Fair enough. Nick, what are you going for? I am going to take Sally Gunnell on a date where we're going to go to Chicken Shop, not Nando's, i.e. no need for a Nez. We're going to get pissed and then I'm going to chuck a dustbin through a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, I'd probably go for Des Line and myself. Uh, lovely Sunday afternoon out, maybe go for a roast and then go on the boating lake in Battersea Park, something like that. Sounds lovely. Lovely, lovely stuff. Fantastic. Well, that brings us to the end of this section of iPartridge. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this is Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Hopefully you realise 
realise that, otherwise you've wasted an hour. <laughs> <laughs> also, I hope that you haven't you've been listening to these without reading or listening to the book before, because yeah. if so, we have ruined it for <laughs> you. For God's sake. Uh, join us next week when we're moving on to Tom Stab's era of iPartridge, Ooh, yeah. uh, and Alan's return to Norwich, plus the Linton Travel Tavern that we know and love so dearly. Uh, get in touch with us. You can email us thepartridgepod at gmail.com, or on Twitter at thepartridgepod, facebook.com slash the partridge pod and on instagram at monkey tennis pod from all of us at monkey tennis thanks again and goodbye Bye. Goodbye. See ya. monkey tennis smelly allen partridge linton travel tavern seemed an obvious choice monkey tennis at the bbc of all places be real monkey tennis where's my assistant i do not know Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? It will be called Alan's Show. I decided and would be absolutely ace. Monkey tennis? But needless to say, I had the last laugh. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.